Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, hosted by me, Madison Pollock. And me, Paige Gill. Today's guest is Callie Freeling. We are so excited to have her here today with us. And she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. Hey, Callie. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is great what you guys are doing. Um, I currently live in Austin, Texas, and I have been working in the music industry, doing ticketing for the last uh, about five years now. So, Thanks, Callie. We're so excited. Callie and I actually met through our mutual friend, Sam, because uh, you guys both worked at C3 Present. So I'm so excited we were connected and that you can join us today. Yeah, thank you. Great. Well, to start, so we like to start with the positive. So how long have you been free of cancer and what was your diagnosis to start with? I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in April 2014. And this November will mark six years that I have been done with treatment. So it's crazy. Wow. It, it feels like it was yesterday but also so long ago at the same time yeah yeah (laughs) that's so understandable what was like the first thing you think about back to that day when you were told that you had cancer um oh man I mean I was 22 at the time and you know like no one expects you to go to the doctor and, and go through that and then that be the end result. So it was, mm-hmm. I, it, it happened and there wasn't any time to really think about it too long because I just had to dive right into treating it at the time. So mm-hmm. I was four weeks away from graduating from college and oh wow yeah i um Dang. i woke up and i noticed on the left side of my neck i had like a little lump it kind of looked like a like a bubble almost so i went to my family doctor and she told me oh you know like you're a student you're on your phone and on your computer a lot you're looking a certain way and there's a muscle mm-hmm. pushing out on the vein on your neck so here's muscle relaxers and an anti-inflammatory and let me know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. That's so crazy. So I did that. And then I want to say it was maybe like a week or two after that, I woke up one morning and looked at myself in the mirror and my face looked like I had gained 20 pounds overnight. Mm -hmm. I was just swollen basically and on top of that I had the same lump on the left side of my neck come on the right side of my neck as well oh my gosh so then yeah at that point it was like all right got to go back to the doctor and so you know I still remember too the night before I was going back to see that doctor when I was making my bed I was just so out of breath right Mm. I could like feel my heart beating so fast and I was just man like I don't know what's going on like this is weird so go back to the doctor and she kind of like takes one look at me and she was like uh you need to go see a cardiologist immediately oh Oh, so 
Yeah. So she set me up with this great doctor that was kind of just like around the corner from there. Went there, had like a EKG done and some other different heart tests, mm-hmm. um, which all came back relatively normal. Mm-hmm. So then it was, let's do a CAT scan. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Did they say, did she say why she sent you to a cardiologist? Yeah, that was my question that I was wondering too. I don't know, honestly. Yeah. Maybe she thought because you were out of breath, there was something related with and you know i don't i don't don't even i don't even know if i mentioned that at the time but it was just like that was the immediate Hmm. course of action to go to a cardiologist so did the tests then i go to the cat scan and i remember that was the first time i'd ever gotten a cat scan before which is you know weird to begin with um And yeah, the the warm, fuzzy feeling of the contrast, yes. like you're about to piss, yeah, like exactly. you're, you're about to piss yourself. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And check the yourself I, remember, <laughs> I remember like sitting up after getting up from the table and the nurse looked at me and she was like, does your face always get so red when you like lay up and down? And I was like, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm not looking in the mirror every um, time I go. I, I know. <laughs> then I go back in the waiting room with my mom and, you know, they told us to just sit tight. And by that time it was already like five o'clock in the afternoon. So it was like later in the day and we were the only people in the waiting room. And then a nurse came out and he was like, so I have sent your scan back over to your cardiologist and he's asked that you go back to the office right now. Mm. And yeah, my, I remember my mom looking at him and just being like, okay, like that doesn't sound good. Yeah. What, you know, what's, what's going on? It's like, you know, just go see your doctor. Yeah. So we go back to the cardiologist's office, he comes in the room and he was like, you have a mass in your chest and Mm -hmm. I suspect that it's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom just started shaking. I had heard of lymphoma before, but Mm -hmm. I really didn't know what it was. And so he basically said, this is an emergency. You need to be admitted to the hospital tonight Oh my God. Um, and yeah. And I, I just like, it happened so fast. And I was, I was like, okay, can I like, can I go home first and like take a shower and like yeah. grab, grab some essential things to have, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. And yeah, I remember like getting out in the waiting room and Googling lymphoma. Right. Right. And first move <laughs> and always. Yeah. I yeah, know exactly. <laughs> It's sad to say, but so true. And, you know, and then it was at at that point that I was like, oh, shit, this is cancer potentially. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, because you always hear lymphoma sounds like doesn't didn't ring a bell of the C word in my head. Yeah, right. I remember. And it's like, you know, in, in the movies, it's always like the doctor coming in. It's like, you have cancer. Yeah, yeah. They never, yeah. <laughs> so true. And they don't the, say what it is. <laughs> yes, it was not like that. Um, but anyways, I went and got my things and 
went to the ER that night and the next day had the biopsy done. Mm-hmm. And they, t- they told me, hey, while we're in there, if we can determine that it's definitely cancer, we're going to go ahead and put a port in your chest. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, so quick, really fast. Yeah. My family still describes, actually, I should mention first, I had never gone under for a surgery before. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, like, so terrified and so anxious to begin with. And I remember they're, like, putting the anesthesia in my arm. And it was a burning sensation. I've never... And I just freaked out. And I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. It burns so bad. It burns so bad. What's wrong? Because in my mind, I was... Am I I having, like, an allergic reaction to this anesthesia or whatever and of course then I just passed out and yeah so then I'm in the surgery and my family they still um they still talk about when they were in the waiting room you know they have the the screen that has updates of where the patients are at they said they were sitting there and the status changed to surgery number two beginning Oh which indicated that okay that now they're putting in the port so oh. it was like at that point they wow. knew Had like to come okay. to terms with that yeah. yeah at that point they knew for sure you know yeah waking up from that surgery feeling the port over my heart oh. it was just like okay this is this is real this is happening yeah the biopsy sorry Okay. So we never talk, and we didn't talk about the port page, but yeah, I think people listening might not know what a port is because I had no idea. So Callie, do you want to explain kind of like what the port is for? Yeah, it's essentially like maybe a quarter sized little thing that goes right above your heart and it's attached to a vein there. So mm-hmm. the idea is, is there's like a little like rubbery kind of piece, I think on the top of it where when you go for chemo, rather than having to poke you with a needle in your arm every time, they can just go directly through the port. And yeah. it's, it's wild because they use like the thickest, biggest needle to go yes. through the port. Oh. And, but that but, first port. Yeah. But oh did like it did not hurt. I was like nervous the first time they did it. But like, honestly, I would have chosen that any other day than having to go through my arm because it's like I had yeah, to, sure. I had to go through my arm like enough just for blood yeah. work and right like, they were used up pro- enough you're prodded with needles nonstop um yeah through the process so I do also you guys... oh I was gonna ask for the port do you guys still have yours I know you still have yours I do and I'm like man like I they took it out and the gave hell it to you? out of me no I still like it's in my body oh it's in you it's still Why? walking in there <laughs> I was supposed to get it out before corona happened oh. and it kind of just got pushed to the sidelines when this whole pandemic went down so it's <laughs> still alive and well in there just riding along oh you you got to get rid of it because that was that was such a good feeling once it was out Mm -hmm. because I was like all right like this is this is done and right it's kind of like the last thing you have to do so um yeah it's a huge milestone I I can imagine 
So the feeling normal. The, initi- again. the initial yeah. biopsy, they were pretty confident that it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then, then they weren't really sure. So they sent the biopsy off to a specialist up in Maryland. And mm-hmm. it took a little bit of time to actually conclude what it was exactly. You know, the doctors, they were like, you know, hoping for Hodgkin's, but like, regardless, if there's any type of cancer that you'd like, w- would want to have, like, this is yeah. a good one. This is the good cancer. <laughs> I was Paige like, and I were just saying So that. funny we you bring that up. We were saying like, how <laughs> that's one of the worst things to hear. I was, I was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah okay. Sounds, sounds good. <laughs> Um, but it's like it's insane how many types of different cancers there are and how many types of different medications there are and it's like Mm -hmm. it's crucial to get it right because if you if they had treated me like I had Hodgkin's Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have gotten better it wouldn't have worked so they you know they figured out what it was and at that point they were like, okay, you know, you need to start treatment really quickly. But I remember I was in the hospital and my oncologist came in and he was like, so yeah, you need to start treatment quick, but in 10 years, Callie, you know, you might want to like have a baby. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And he was like, there is a chance that this treatment is going to impact your ability to conceive down the line. So mm-hmm. I, he was like, I think before we do anything, you should meet with a fertility specialist and consider getting your eggs frozen. Mm. So it's like, okay, already dealing with the cancer thing. And now I'm like, I'm not thinking about babies. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know anything like what was required to have your eggs frozen I don't know if either of y'all have done that before Um, oh god it was more painful (laughs) to me than the first round of chemo I would say (laughs) really I didn't I didn't do it it well so it's weird you go in every day to get your blood checked to see where your estrogen levels are at you know you're you're forcing your body to make more than one egg and up until what they referred to as the harvest date, um, <laughs> making me feel like a feel like a cow or like a a chicken, a ve- <laughs> like a vegetable crop or something. Um, yeah, the harvest day. Then they like get up in there and they draw out all the eggs. Um, but it's crazy because right before the day they take them out. Like I don't remember what the exact number was, but it's like let's say your normal estrogen is twenty. Before that, it was twenty thousand. Yeah. It's so, crazy. so like, you're... how are your emotions? <laughs> I was oh, like, you feel an... pregnant. <laughs> I was. I don't. Well, I don't know. I was. I think I was just kind of numb to everything at that time. But cause I was like, am I just gonna be blossoming? Like. How am I, you know, how am I going to feel? And I, I, yeah. that, that didn't really happen, but yeah. And you inject yourself up until that date, yeah. you're injecting yourself with hormones in the stomach. And on top of that, I had a blood clot. So I was doing oh, blood God. thinners 
in my oh stomach my God. and doing Jeez. the hormone injections. So it was like, I, it was, it was hard the first time, you know, they say like, you're throwing a dart to put a needle into yourself. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's glad that's over. But <laughs> how long was that period of time? Um, I think for me, it depends where you're at in the time of the month. But I want to say it was maybe like two or three weeks for me that I did okay. that. Yeah. Did they did they rush you when they were doing it? Like they didn't care about if it was the right time of the month because they were just trying to get it done with before you starting treatment. I don't recall. I don't recall there being um, like a time sensitivity to it. Um, I, I think it 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 might have been about two weeks. I think in total. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think they ended up pulling out like 22 eggs or something. Oh, wow. But it was kind of unfortunate because then they called me after and after looking under a microscope, only six of them actually reached full maturity. Oh my gosh. So they were like, you know what, we're going to freeze them all. And 10 years from now, like, very possible that, you know, they'll be able to take an immature egg and, and bring it to full maturity. So mm. yeah, my, I call them my little sea monkeys. Um, they're, <laughs> they're just chilling on some liquid. They're nitrogen. ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, such a funny thing to think about actually that you have like all these unborn, ch- like, that's how I always think of them. <laughs> I guess in my head, I'm like, I have all these children just on a shelf <laughs> that <know>. could <laughs> could be one day. I'm like, oddly enough, for whatever reason, my gut says that I don't think I'm going to need them if I ever want to have kids. Yeah. But it's like, you never mm-hmm. know until you try. So I, it's, it's yeah. nice having, yeah, that's having that option. security. So, but yeah, so once I, once I finish the uh, fertility stuff then started the treatment which was I had six rounds of chemo every three weeks Mm -hmm. and then and then after that went to radiation the chemo I had was called R-CHOP which Mm. um, you know basically like a cocktail of I don't know how many different drugs. One of them was Rituxin, which isn't a chemo drug. It's actually like an autoimmune medication. Um, okay. And then it also included prednisone and this other chemo drug that is referred to as uh, Red Devil. Yeah, um, got that one. Yeah, I was, Red Devil. Yeah, Red Devil. <laughs> and, you know, it's a, it's a bright red color and the first pee after you get the chemo, yeah. the toilet bowl is just like bright red. Yeah. Um, oh, I hate it. I know this is gross, but I hated peeing during chemo because it smelled like medicine. I don't know if yeah. you guys <laughs> experienced that. I but... never did pee during chemo. So dang, I wish I would have peed. You better never attention. did? Oh my God. I never I would, did. Like, I chug why. water and because my mouth was so dry. And then I would yeah. pee and I would be like, want to throw up it just smelled like the medicine going in my body it was so yeah yeah not fun but (laughs) honestly like the the side effects of the chemo I consider myself so lucky because they were 
pretty mild. You know, I was preparing for the worst. Mm-hmm. I remember after my very first treatment, I I did throw up. And when that happened, mm-hmm. I was like, this is this is going to be terrible. Like, I'm going to be so sick all the time. Never, never got sick again after that. So it was wow. just kind of like a one-off, one-off thing. And I mean, really, the main thing with the chemo is like, I was just tanked afterwards yeah you know it completely wipes out all your white blood cells Mm -hmm. and actually the day after I would get chemo I would go back and they gave me a new lasta shot which is basically a yeah white blood cell booster but even with the new lasta shot I was I was still just depleted so tired yeah oh yeah I was really just tired all the time you know occasionally like my stomach was upset and I mean other than that it's like I'm so lucky that I didn't Mm -hmm. go through like mouth sores that they had described might happen I forgot about that one yeah they gave they gave me like magic mouth wash yeah, the saltwater <laughs> mouthwash, which, yeah, I've never really had to use, which um, was great. But so I did the chemo, and luckily, after the third treatment, they did a PET scan, and the tumor had shrunk by 80%. Oh, wow. wow. So that the third, that's amazing. Yeah, and so that was, it was great because it was like, okay, this is working. I'm mm-hmm. responding to treatment. It was, yes, a lot I worried a lot less at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it was then it was like, okay, I just have to keep doing this for however many months at that point it was. And that was really the most difficult part of it was like, I yeah. felt like at the time it was never going to end. I was mm-hmm. like, this, I'm going to be doing this for so long. Like yeah. it sucks. I mean, and it, yeah, it took eight months, I think from start to finish to get through it. Mm-hmm. But you know, look back on it now and it's like, man, that was just such a blip in time. Just right. a little, little speed bump to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, but after finishing chemo, I went to MD Anderson for radiation. Did mm-hmm. you guys have radiation? I did. We did. Um, yeah. I, and I got mine at MD Anderson too, actually. So Oh my That'll god! Be interesting just... if we actually had the same person. <laughs> I I worked with Doctor Debaja, who I like... think I yeah, that sounds very familiar. Man, I had someone else, but I went in for checkups with that other. woman. Is legit the queen of lymphoma. She's <laughs> she's so smart, so amazing. I could not have enough good things to say about MD Anderson. They really are just like so on top of their shit and have so, so much so much technology and and they're so kind actually oh, like you just yeah. feel you're being cared for one-on-one there's no you know you, you get that full attention actually you're not being like rushed out of anywhere quickly you're making sure that everything is understood 100 percent. when I went down there for radiation I was I had it in my head that I wanted proton therapy that was Mm. like really starting to take off at that time and I mean basically the difference between traditional IMRT radiation and proton 
is that IMRT targets and hits a wider field outside of the tumor. So potentially Mm -hmm. radiating healthy tissue. Um, Whereas proton therapy is, it's precise and it directs exactly the tumor. So, you know, on paper, like that sounds like the treatment probably anybody would want. Mm -hmm. And then once I got down there, my doctor, she was like, actually, I, I believe, and I know that IMMRT is going to be a better move for you. And Mm -hmm. they had all these different things that they did in order to prevent radiating as much healthy tissue as possible. Uh, Paige, I don't know if you're, you probably went through the same process as me. Like they basically make a, make a mold of, for me, shoulders to hip so that they put it in place and you're always, you're laying in that. And then they make a mask that goes (laughs) over your face. Very masked. It looks like Halloween. Really? What's that one character, Jason? Yeah. Like that Halloween character. That's what I felt like with it on. (laughs) I I was thinking more like that mesh black mask that Beyonce wore at the On the Run show. (laughs) Um, That sounds way better. better. (laughs) That's so much better. I love that. It's really so similar because the eyes are open, but it's like has holes in it, whatever. And so you're like strapped down to the table. And they also, do you have tattoos? Yeah, yeah I, I was like, my first tattoo. That's yeah. awesome. Same. <laughs> Just a mole. <laughs> Same. Yeah. It's uh, a tattoo right in the middle of my chest and then one on each shoulder. So they strap you into the table by the mask, mm-hmm. which the Beyonce sucks. Because um, you're, well, you're strapped into it for like 30 minutes yeah. at a time. And it's kind of, kind of claustrophobic, but... It was just amazing the technology that they used with the thing that sits on your, the little box that sits on your chest and the glasses. Yeah. It's basically like you have this little box on your chest that correlates with these glasses with a little screen and you take a big inhale. And as you do that, there's a bar on the glasses that reaches up to a certain threshold. And as you, as you breathe in, your lungs expand, and once you hit a bar on those glasses, then that's when they administer the radiation. Oh, that's so, so interesting. It's so wild. Yeah. Very precise. It was so cool. I know. They're on top of it. I didn't have many side effects from radiation, like, at all. I think by the end, I kind of, my throat was a little scratchy and mm-hmm. maybe, like, a little bit of a sunburn look on my chest, but, I mean it was it was a breeze and oh it was just so great when it was over and yeah yeah amazing did you feel like after treatment now six years out do you notice anything in your body that still feels a little different honestly no amazing like that is not at all remember I remember coming back to Austin and going to dinner with you and like I was talking about my weird vein thing and you had a weird vein thing I did have a weird vein thing and you know like they told me that if the cancer was going to come back it was going to happen within two years Mm -hmm. and if it if you get past that it's not going to come back they also said if it does come back in two years it's going to be harder to treat more aggressive Mm -hmm. um, which so like getting through that two-year window was 
definitely hard. Like any little thing, it was, there wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't thinking about getting cancer again, or Mm -hmm. just like what had happened and just the whole thing. And so, yeah, I got this on my stomach. I had this vein that bulged out and kind of like started maybe like kind of near my heart and went all the way down my stomach and kind of bubbled up a little bit, maybe where I would imagine like my pelvis to be. Mm. And of course, I just freaked out about it. I actually went and got a scan because it was okay, let's just rule it out. And there was nothing there. It was fine. But that was probably the last thing that Mm -hmm. ever really concerned me. Right. And that's about it. And that's so normal, because at going through what we've all seen our bodies go through at such a young age, you blow off that those little signs maybe that Mm -hmm. indicated that something was wrong. So it's so normal afterwards to be like, actually, maybe those things do mean something because I know always brushing off stuff. But yeah, um, exactly. So that's, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you that you haven't felt that afterwards for. Yeah. Yeah. Just living life now, you know, six years is amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. You too. Well, I'm curious, like what Callie, did anything help you when you first found out during treatment? Did anything help you kind of go through it? Well, my mom is an honorable mention in that Mm -hmm. like she we've always been really really close but I mean she did not miss a single thing that I had to do like Mm -hmm. if it was just going to get blood work or treatment or literally whatever like I was never alone she was there Mm -hmm. every step of the way and you know, I'm so thankful for that. And even when you go through something traumatic like that, it's just like adds a whole new level of love. Yeah. And um, she was a huge part of that. And, you know, I'm lucky that most of my friends I've actually been close with since like high school. Mm -hmm. And so just having amazing support group. And I went to a few different concerts when I was going through treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which was, was Beyonce at the on run <laughs> tour, oh, wow. um, <laughs> which is like how I Perfect. made that connection. But, I love um, it. I'll forever yeah, a- think about that now instead of Jason. <laughs> instead of Jason. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a little more a little more positive and positive sure. but <laughs> I love it so much better. It's crazy like I I describe the whole experience really as being the best and the worst thing that's mm-hmm. ever happened to me and really the the best part about it being that like you really realize who's important in your yeah. life and who's really going to mm-hmm. stand by you through everything. And when I think about it, like the timeline of how and when everything happened, getting right out of college, everybody's thinking about getting jobs, Mm -hmm. moving on and this and that. And I basically Mm -hmm. just had to pause my life. And I actually had an internship that last semester with Live Nation. And Mm. so it was like, I would, that was, okay, this is where I'm trying to like 
get my career started. And by the time, by the time I finished treatment, then I maintained contact with Live Nation. I actually think I was working for them a bit while I was going through treatment. By the time I finished and kind of stuck everything around, then a full-time position became available. Um, And I got it. And so it's like all the, having that block just ultimately got, got me where I wanted to be. And I'm trying to think like what else I I had been in a relationship mm. for three for three years. Um, wow! I mean, ultimately, that going through that experience ended that relationship because yeah. it just and you know, there's something to be said for your loved ones and significant others, whatever. Like they're going through something too. It's it's different, yeah. but it just yeah, it did not work out. And now, ultimately, I'm like thank you. Like, I'm actually really, I'm actually really glad that I saw the light with this dude and, you know, didn't, didn't keep going further with it. So yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. No, everything flushes out with an experience like this. Like you, the things that are meant to stick, stick and whatever's not you learn that and move on with your life afterwards without it. Absolutely. Yeah. And how for you did it all kind of happen with the hair? I know that's like a big thing we talked about in our episode previously. How did that go for you? Yeah. I'm actually surprised we didn't talk about it sooner because it's like the biggest part of (laughs) really. I I think what women go through. Mm, Yeah. You know, I was, it was obviously one of my first thoughts. Okay. Like, am I going to lose my hair? And my doctor told me he was like you are going to start losing your hair 17 days after the first treatment I was like wow it's really specific and and I kid you not I kid you not on the 17th day I was at lunch with my mom and my friend and I just happened to kind of stroke my hand down my oh, hair no. and I looked at my hand and I had a whole ass clump oh. of hair and I was like okay it is starting and oh my God. that oh was my it was especially tough for me because at that time my hair was the longest it had ever been in my entire life it touched the top of my pants Wow. So very long. Very yeah. Once I realized, okay, like it's happening, I went and got it cut really short, the hair, and um eventually it wasn't a couple days later that I was just I can't stand this anymore. Like just it was just going crazy falling out. And so um one one night my my brother, so sweet, he as a family, me, my mom and my dad all just sat at the kitchen table and Ross, yeah, he shaved my head for me. I cried like the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he was he was so cute because before he shaved it all, he was like let's shave your hair like Skrillex. <laughs> he was like, you're like, ne- you're like oh. never going to do that. So like, so true. <laughs> let's make it look like Skrillex. And oh, I was like, God. okay, like, sure, go for it. 
And so we, we like did that first and took some pictures. So and, funny. Yeah. And it, it was so hard because I just didn't want to look in the mirror yeah. like, after it was all said and done. Yeah. Because you don't um, recognize yourself for a minute. You're like, I know. Person? It's really hard. It be, yeah. It, be, it becomes very real and tangible yeah. once you lose the hair. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, it's like proof. Yep. Once it started growing back, y'all know it's, you go through the weirdest mullet growth phase. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like weirdest. long in the back and very awkward. But once it grew out a little bit more, I got more compliments on my hair being short than I ever had when my hair was long. Yeah. yeah. And I like actually really liked it and felt like it looked good on me. And I would have never cut my hair yeah. in a pixie before yeah. that. So, I mean, it's good to know if I ever want to go yeah, back. Yeah, I, I, mean, I thought yeah. it was really cute from your Instagram. Yeah. I thought it was it so cute. It is something that you never would do yourself. My dad kept saying I had a Bruno Mars kind of haircut. Like you were saying how like it comes back. There was one point where it was just higher and higher and higher. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I should just perform Wake Up in the Sky or one of his jams. Like. <laughs> So, I know and now it's I mean it's only taken me like you know five almost six years but now my hair is almost back to yeah it looks I, really I was long, gonna it was. say yeah I was exactly it, that's what made me think of the question too I was like your hair's gorgeous it's so long you would have never guessed yeah well it's really becoming more of just like a pain in my ass now so I'm, <laughs> if, I might have to, I might have to chop it all off again we'll see well now you know <laughs> that you look great and rock yeah it. exactly that, so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for answering all of our questions I know that we've taken you down memory lane you remembered so much I know yeah you did that. remember so much detail <laughs> Yeah, like you describing the port, I I was learning things. I was like, oh, (laughs) how it sticks to something. Yeah, I was like, I had no idea. So you taught me so much during this. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Well, I think what you guys are doing is great. And, you know, at at the time, I didn't know anybody really to connect with. And it's true that unless you've gone through it, Mm -hmm. like, you really just don't totally get it. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I, I wish that Definitely. I would have been able to, to connect with other young people at the time. And I, yeah, it's really great what you guys are doing. And I, um, I hope people spread the word and can help out some other ladies and gents around here. Yeah. Thanks, Callie. We Thank hope you so, so much, Callie. You've been awesome. Yeah, y'all have a great day. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast that tells the truth about what people with cancer actually experience. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories. Until next time.